1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah
2: Hello everyone, you're listening to the Rotoviz Highlight Reel, brought to you by Draft. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. On the Highlight Reel, we feature to the top articles on Rotoviz.com and get an extended insight into the writer's process and findings. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year, and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Today I'm delighted to be joined on the show by Antonio Mico. Uh during the season, uh, Anthony has admitted himself that there hasn't been as much stuff uh, coming up on the site as what he does. But there's a, a great article I wanted to get his thoughts on as to how his process was, how he got it done. We're going to be talking today about where high-scoring weeks come from. But before we get into the article, Anthony, thanks, uh, thanks for jumping aboard the highlight reel.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you
2: having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and uh, for any of the listeners that have heard me on my Overtime Ireland podcast, I've had Anthony as a guest on it a number of times. So I always enjoy talking to him. So any, anytime I get an excuse to, to have a conversation with him, it's uh, it's always a good time. So uh, obviously, as well as I start off, I just want to mention about the the Roto-Viz 30% discount, uh, an NFL pass up on rotoviz.com. 30% discount for all the podcast listeners and is available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription will give you unlimited access to to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it helps support the pod. So be sure and get that 30% discount for yourself for that NFL pass at com forward slash podcast. So Anthony, as we get into uh, looking at the article that you had uh, earlier this year up on com about where do high-scoring weeks come from, uh, what is it you kind of what was your aim as you started off this piece uh, as it was just something you wanted to look more into for your own personal use, or, or where did it come about? What was a, a little bit of the methodology behind uh, the kind of reasoning for it going into the article?
1: Yeah, so one of our presenting sponsors this year, as you know, has been a Draft. And Draft has these awesome uh, season-long best ball leagues that they just came out with this year. It's been a new format. It's been a lot of fun. I think people have been really getting into it. And I wanted to kind of see... Some strategy for those formats. I, you know, a lot of people talk about MFL 10s and best ball in that sense, but I wanted to focus a little bit more on draft leagues and just kind of see maybe how we should be optimizing our draft strategy. Obviously, in best ball leagues, we know that your lineup is optimized for you every single week. So you're really just shooting to get as many high scoring weeks as you can. Uh, a lot of people, you know, over the course of a season, you're going to get a certain number of startable weeks. And I, I think that those normal weeks will kind of just balance out, but where you're, you're really going to find your edge where you're really going to win in best ball to me is, is accumulating these really, really high scoring weeks. Like we just saw, I uh, are taping this on Monday. So yesterday we just saw Todd Gurley have that monster, monster yeah. score four <laughs> touchdowns. He had like 200 total yards. Like that's a game where even if he doesn't do much the rest of the year, that's a game that makes a huge difference for you in a best ball format because that's a week that nobody else is going to have. So I really wanted to see uh, kind of where the most of these really big games uh, kind of came from. So I looked at uh, the top 50 and top 100 single-game scores at the wide receiver and running back positions uh, for the last five seasons, so 2012 to 2016. I just took a look at were more of these high-scoring weeks coming at the running back or wide receiver position? Uh, How were these related Uh, to draft position um, and how frequently based on round were you uh, you know able to basically find a player who could give you a top 50 or a top 100 week over the course of the season
2: Yeah and you mentioned there obviously with Todd Gurley and week 15 uh, you know you mentioned that if you have him on your roster, the interesting thing you mentioned there was that nobody else could have had that player. And that's something that I don't think people look at when they're looking at best ball leagues or looking at getting these high scoring weeks. Is Not only do you have him on your team, but the other players aren't going to be able to have him on their team, which is obviously a huge part of the whole deal. People will be thinking about, well, if I have him on my team, that's going to give me 40 points from him this week. It's going to be an overall total you know, boosted up to maybe 180 points over the whole team over that week. But you don't think of it as... Uh, that means that that there is points that that other team cannot have because obviously if he's on another roster in another league that you have you're obviously at a deficit and that That, that's an interesting way to look at it is that the way you tend to look at it from you know always in best ball leagues
1: well i I think that this i think that this study and i think that my approach going into 2017 was really more driven on that i think in the past i was more of the mindset like i just want to like accumulate points i just want to score um but i this is the first time that I think I've really looked at it as, like, there's there's a real goal here that we want, and it's, it's to acquire these big weeks.
2: Yeah, it's like a, looking at it from a kind of plus-minus-negative uh, scale for your team. And obviously, you know, you mentioned a couple of times the results. What were the results as you uh, kind of progressed your way through the article? What did you really start to see stand out for you as, you know, some of the real positives you could use going into this season?
1: Yeah, so the first thing that stood out was that over the last five seasons, the wide receiver position was producing more high-scoring weeks, about a 60-40 split in favor of the receivers uh, percentage-wise, both inside the top 50 and inside the top 100. The results were pretty much the same uh, in terms of the number and the distribution. Uh, 2016 was the only year where there were more high-scoring running backs than there were wide receivers. Uh, And then Kind of as we looked at the distribution by round, uh, we were able to see that not only were we finding more top scoring wide receivers, but uh, they were also coming more frequently in the top portion of the draft. So as the draft started, uh, the wide receivers that you drafted early uh, both were producing more top 50 and top 100 weeks in terms of total frequency early in the draft. Uh, but also percentage-wise, uh, based on just like the number of players taken at that position in each round, uh, you're also getting more players to yield a top 50 or top 100 week early in the draft at the wide receiver position. And then kind of as uh, the draft goes along, uh, obviously those the frequency of those uh, weeks is coming down uh, overall, uh, but the running back position starts to catch up and you can kind of see towards the end, especially in the you know, 9 through 14 round kind of range, uh, the running backs really pick up a little bit and they start kind of overcoming the wide receivers. So uh, the overall, I think, premise and the big takeaway that I took kind of from the research was that if we want to build like one of these true high upside uh, teams that that can take first, uh, you know, and in in draft leagues, I should note that the payoff structure is a little more flat than it is in like an MFL 10 because – uh, they do pay, uh, I believe, top three. Uh, whereas uh, NFL 10 just pay, you know, it's winner take all essentially. Yeah. But if, you know, if we wanted to really build these teams that can finish first, it, it was through wide receivers early and and running backs uh, later
2: yeah and uh, i think that fits in perfectly with what we do here at uh, rotavis with a lot of zero rb talk uh, going on and uh, heavily favoring the the wide receivers do you think that's kind of the reason for that is you can take multiple shots at uh, running backs that are in that kind of mid to late round uh, valuation and then see you know usually on average you know a couple of them will hit every year do you think that's the way you were looking at it that the guys in that later range just kind of picking having more picks at that range and going for the solid options at the top of wide receiver was that kind of the way you were looking at it as well
1: Well, I think it it just speaks to the difference in the two positions because at at receiver, I really think that overall you have to be talented. You have to be good, uh, you know, quote-unquote, to produce a lot of fantasy points at the wide receiver position because there's so many things that go into that that are driven by the receiver. The receiver has to run the right route. He has to get open. He has to catch the ball. He has to do anything that he does after the catch, Uh, whereas the running back position is really more – uh, based on opportunity and volume. so you know we assume that a player that we draft later at running back, you know if he just gets volume, we assume that he can produce whereas the wide receiver that we that we draft late uh, we, we don't have that same assumption because we're not sure that he is going to be as talented as the player that he's maybe replacing in the lineup. So I think it just gets back to the whole idea of anti-fragility and you know how we approach our drafts with zero running back in you know a normal season long context. Uh, I think that the same applications apply in best ball.
2: Yeah, I feel I feel the same way about that. And you already mentioned, you know, that this season one of our sponsors is Draft. This article is in turn kind of to look at what you should do while you are using their best ball season-long format. And of course, I want to tell the listeners about how they can play on Draft today. You can download the app anytime. Just search Draft in the App Store or uh, on your favorite device. You can just search for Draft in that as well. You can also play on your computer at PlayDraft.com. Whichever way you prefer, and for a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit all you have to do is enter our code RV Radio. It is it's a it's a hell of a lot of fun. I've been playing it all season long. It is best ball, as we've kind of been touching on here, in a pretty much snake draft format, and then set it and forget it. It's just uh, so so simple. And of course, you can play for cash, which which makes it a lot more fun. So do check out PlayDraft.com, or else download the app in the App Store, and of course, as well, I mentioned, use that promo code rv radio to get your uh, first game for free when you put in that first deposit so you know when we look now into uh, 2017 and how this has played out so far how has it played out in 2017 do you find that you've had most of it right so far yeah so
1: 2017 actually has shown to slant a little bit more towards the running backs in terms of overall top 50 weeks i just looked at it through uh week 14 didn't include week 15 because i was preparing for the show over the weekend <laughs> and uh, we have, uh, you know, about 60% of the top 50 weeks so far uh, have come with a running back position. I'm, I'm sure if we included this weekend, it would increase even more because we had the, the big Gurley week, the big Kareem Hunt week. Uh, but there's still a clear advantage, I think, for wide receivers when we start factoring in a draft positions. So if you just look at the receivers who have given you top 50 weeks this year, we have Amari Cooper, we have Antonio Brown, Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Crabtree, Stephon Diggs, T.Y. Hilton, Tyreek Hill. Uh, really the only guys that have contributed at all in terms of a top 50 week. Uh, we have Will, Will Fuller shows up once. Uh, Robert Wood shows up once. Robbie Anderson shows up once. Kenny Still shows up once. Uh, and Juju Smith-Schuster shows up once. All those guys uh, show up just one time, and, and those are all players that you would have taken late in the draft. But if we look at... You know the running back position. Of course, your, you know, Le'Veon Bell is making appearance. Your Todd Gurley's making appearance. Uh, but then we have the guys like Alvin Kamara, who shows up on the list uh, three times. Jamal Williams shows up twice. Kareem Hunt shows up twice, and uh, presumably a third after this weekend. Um, you know, Rod Smith shows up there for a week. Mark Ingram, whose ADP uh, was really, you know, trending down towards the end of the season, uh, towards the end of draft season, shows up. C.J. Anderson gives you a week. Bilal Powell gives you a week chris thompson gives you a week so you know you can see that uh while at the top you know while position wise you know running backs are producing these big weeks and maybe there is a little bit of a running back resurgence overall in terms of scoring uh we're still able to get some of these guys late in the draft uh, whereas the wide receiver big weeks have really all come from the top of the draft and kind of just i'm prioritizing those receivers early and uh, you know, certainly you should be mixing in some of these early-round running backs. You know, Lev Bell is going to be on this list always. A guy like Melvin Gordon that gets volume is going to be on this list always. Todd Gurley. Uh, you want to mix those guys in, but I think overall you want a real portfolio with uh, early-round
2: So looking now, kind of taking this into next season, looking ahead to 2018, it's always good when you get a a year to kind of let this stew in your mind. Maybe some things you would change, some things you would keep the same. But before we we see what you would probably change and keep the same, how do you think it's going to affect your draft strategy for 2018? And will it be a case where it's just going to affect it for baseball, Or do you think this is going to be something that you you know take into redraft and dynasty kind of draft strategy as well?
1: I think that I just, I think the big thing is to mix up the players that you're taking a lot. So uh, I think a big mistake that I made this year was I went really, really heavy at certain players uh, at certain positions. Like I drafted a ton of Deontay Foreman late in the draft. Um, I have a ton of Stefan Diggs, you know, and we're going to see mixed results on players that we kind of go like all in or all out on uh, during draft season. But I think it's really important to just mix up your portfolio because you want to get, you know, you want to capture these weeks and you really only need to in, you know, like, a, say, an MFL 10 kind of context. You really only need to win, you know, one out of every 10 leagues to, to break even. So uh, it's probably important to, to kind of vary your exposure a little bit. I'm going to try to stay – I did a really bad job of this this year, but I'm going to try to stay, like, 20% or lower on, like, every player. I don't want to get too high. Uh, but I'm still going to be pounding that wide receiver position early. I still think that that's – the data is still showing us that that's where the, the big weeks are coming from. And at running back, I – you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of the guys late in the draft that have produced big weeks have been rookies. You know, Kamara, Jamal Williams, Hunt. I, I think that you know Sean Siegel has talked about this a lot that exploiting um, you know rookie ADP in redraft is is really big because those players just typically aren't drafted very highly unless they're someone like Leonard Fournette who has like a role locked in. So I'm going to keep drafting. Uh, those rookie running backs I think later on I'm gonna continue to try to get the high upside backups and and hope to hit and you know it's really interesting I think that you say this that you ask about you know like a redraft context and a dynasty context I think you want to attack your your draft somewhat similarly I mean not with the same I think overall abandon just because you're you do have to set the lineup every week but you know certainly if you owned a Todd Gurley or a Kareem Hunt this week like you're probably moving on to your league championship, you know, if you own, um, I don't know, uh, Antonio Brown during the season, like you're probably on your way to a league championship. Like if you, if you can capture these big weeks, like those are weeks that win you a week and get you a win and you know, it is a weekly game that we play. So I think that that stuff is still very important.
2: Yeah, I'd be very interested to hear if there was any players in season-long leagues that uh, had Todd Gurley uh, in Week 15 in the playoffs and actually went on to lose uh, this week. I really don't think that's nearly impossible to do based on Uh, his output sometimes all you need is that real one big output and then everyone else to just do their job and uh, it helps you on a weekly basis you mentioned as well the rookie ADP and I was just going to say and you uh, mentioned uh, hitting on uh, Leonard Fournette if you have a player like him or Christian McCaffrey they started to you know stay up there in the kind of third fourth round of uh, some of the drafts uh, after the draft this year and uh, then players like you know Kamara uh, you know we had Spencer Ware was still with the uh, the Chiefs at the time prior to his injury so that helped out there with Kareem Hunt and somebody who I was heavily invested in this year was Spencer Ware so that didn't help me but I've had a few people on this show and I've asked them different strategies that they thought that they need to implement some changes to next year and you're not the first person that said uh, been kind of overweight on certain players and pre-draft and and best ball leagues this year I, I actually took a lot of tj yeldon which obviously hasn't worked out he was one of my most owned players just because i thought the value was there if they didn't draft a running back and obviously they drafted leonard for net, so that really did did not work out but I, I do agree with that and i think a lot of people are probably going to have the same opinion as you uh, next year is to try and just diversify that portfolio i know in the, the off season we can get players that we really really love But I think then sometimes uh, that can come back to bite us. Uh, A lot of Marcus Mariota in my my lineups this year too. So uh, a couple of of bad calls to go along and of course those rosters not doing too good. So uh, is there anything then outside of that there, one thing of uh, changing your portfolio, maybe diversifying? Is there anything else that you took out of this that you think uh, going into 2018 you think you'll uh, maybe change or uh, just tinker with a little bit?
1: No, I mean, I think I'm just gonna trust the process. the the one thing that I uh, the one thing that I will say is that I noticed that the tight ends, like just in a a, a basic sh- a screen of this, the only tight end that I was able to find inside the top 50 this year was actually Mercedes Lewis. Uh, that big game that he had over in London with the three touchdowns, and um, it really kind of that really I think stood out to me that there wasn't a tight end. That was able to, you know, and I, I was filtering these guys out anyway because the point of my research was running backs and receivers. But uh, even if I was including tight ends, we would have only had one inside the top 50. And I thought that that was really interesting. It kind of, I don't know, it kind of tilts me maybe away from prioritizing that position this year. I was really into like the two tight end strategy, and uh, certainly Travis Kelsey was a big boon this year. But uh, I think overall, like those guys just aren't giving you enough big weeks to, to be huge difference makers. You're probably better off taking. Uh, you know, like three or four guys in the position late, and just trying to basically stream yourself through the season in like a best ball context.
2: Yeah, because uh, I think as well, if you look at it, if you look at the, the tight ends were going early, you know, Gronk, Reed, uh, you know, Olsen was still kind of up there in those uh, early early ish rounds, you know, maybe even round six, seven. But when you're looking at those guys, you mentioned Kelsey as well you know their big weeks are you know maybe 22 23 points they're not getting you those uh, Antonio Brown weeks you know hitting over the 30 points so I think that might be something to look into as well for the listeners uh, you know with the article that was published on July 10th and uh, but the interesting thing about it Anthony when I scroll down through it there's a lot of information that I think is going to be able to be implemented moving forward as well I think it will be a little bit of a, an evergreen article and there's lots of great uh, you know graphs and that up there to make it very very easy to understand all the different aspects of it and of course I'll uh, put a little link to it in the show description for anyone that wants to go and uh, have a check out of it. So, before we uh, wrap up, obviously, any uh, upcoming work on uh, rotaviz.com that over this uh, kind of off-season maybe that we can can look into with uh, what you'll be doing there?
1: Yeah, I'm waiting for the rest of the 2017 data to come in, uh, both on the pro and the collegiate side, but I'm working on a piece uh, on a really interesting filter for collegiate running backs, something that It looks like the data shows is going to find us in RB1, uh, potentially about 50%, 40% 50% of the time um, in the draft. So uh, really, really something that I think is going to be helpful for the rookie drafts that are going to be coming up in in the spring. And, uh, you know, past that, I'm really just diving headfirst into (laughs) into draft season. I mean, it's my favorite. It's my favorite part of the year. So I really want to give as much information as I can on these draft prospects and really study up and, you know, hopefully give the listeners something that uh you know that can help them win their leagues
2: yeah and obviously with your background in coaching i think uh you know just watching football is something you love to do so i think uh you know diving into those uh college players is something that uh, i think i always like to, to see you having a little bit of an influence on each and every year and you also mentioned to me uh, previously that you might be working uh you know and looking in the, the draft prospects by conference is that something that we'll we'll see up in rv
1: uh yeah I'm, I'm hoping to i have to kind of see the best way to format it but i'm hoping to maybe just go through each conference and Uh, give, 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 you know, the reader a few players really, or the main players in that conference to look at, you know, a few key stats, you know, and obviously link to anything relevant that, that any of the other staffers have written. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to do. I got to see if it's really a, you know, feasible project, but I think it's something that would be worthwhile.
2: Yeah, and obviously uh, another thing I want to touch on just before we wrap up but unfortunately for us Antonio Brown did uh, suffer an injury uh, against the Patriots uh, a partially torn calf muscle he's going to miss the next couple of weeks anyway, hopefully uh, we'll see him you know, in the playoffs but always terrible this season has just been so so unfortunate for uh, star players getting injured and Antonio Brown has just been you know, arguably the MVP of the league so far this season, but you did have a, a call back in the preseason as well around the time that this article came out talking about who should be the number one pick uh, in redraft leagues and season long leagues. So uh, you went with Antonio Brown and, you know, if you, if, if people listen to you so far this season, unfortunately, obviously he got injured this past week, but up until this point, uh, he has been money. So uh, I think uh, I have to congratulate you on, on the call with uh, AB there
1: oh thanks yeah i appreciate it and uh you know best wishes to brown obviously i hope he comes back i mean he's just one of the best ever i, I want him back on the field
2: and uh, when you looking back at it obviously a lot of people at that stage of the season zeke was looking like he was going to serve a suspension so people were kind of off him at that stage but you had uh, bell and david johnson were the the consensus one two at that stage uh, what what made you so uh confident in you know jumping ahead of those two guys uh to take antonio brown with a, a number one overall pick
1: I mean, it's just, for me, the tremendous consistency
2: of elite production. I mean, and and oh, insane consistent I think I'll call it.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, he's been the, I think even this year, he probably, you know, he's not going to be the wide receiver one this year, probably, because, you know, Hopkins, I'm sure, will pass him, uh, given the injury, but, I mean, he's been the wide receiver one for the last four seasons straight, like, that's just, that's just insane production, and he, he still has that, you know, 350-plus point upside as a, A season-long player so just uh it's really difficult for me to to avoid that kind of player and you know he does give you those big weeks also and uh, ironically I mean I thought part of the reason to take him was that the wide receiver position was a little more uh you know safe and durable than (laughs) than running back he did end up getting hurt which is ironic but uh, that was kind of a factor for me
2: as well. Yeah, well, he did make it through uh, 14 weeks and a little bit into week 15, so he did keep you through throughout the season uh, for that perspective. But uh, obviously, uh, we mentioned the article, and we're going to have that linked in the description here. But that's going to do it for today's edition of the Rotoviz Highlight Reel, brought to you by Draft. My name's Colin Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My guest today is com writer and uh, Rotoviz Radio podcast host as well. Uh, it is of course, Anthony Amico, you can follow him on Twitter at amixta. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Road of Highlight Ring. Please rate and review the Road of Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Road Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of at a 30% discount through the Road of Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast.
0: Progressive Casualty
2: Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.
0: Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.